Good morning, church family. It is wonderful to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Let's pause for a moment of prayer. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the blessing of this day. May I be worthy to deliver a message today, Heavenly Father. Open up the hearts and the minds of us all, Heavenly Father. Let us dwell on that which you wish us to receive. Your Son's holy name, amen. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things. What's happening in the world? Man, I wish I could escape. I wish I could escape. But we must be steadfast and hold fast to the words that are in this book. The spirit of the church today has been given over to pride and formalism. Love for Christ and faith in his second coming is growing cold. People are asking Well, if there is a Jesus, if it is a Christ, where is he? Why doesn't he come? We're waiting, is what they say. Piety and humility have been replaced. Worldliness, pleasure-seeking has become the new normal. Professed people of God are blind as they do not study the plain scriptures. God's instruction manual, because herein lies the truth concerning the signs of Christ's eminent appearing. You just have to look for it, don't you? You can't leave it on that coffee table and have your child ask, whose book is this? And you may reply, it's the Lord's book. And then the child replies, well, why doesn't he come and get it? Because they don't open it. Our child knows nothing unless you teach him. We allow others to spoon feed us what we need to discover on our own through personal prayer and study. We fall into the possibility of misinterpretation if we do not. This will cloud and fog. Prophecy will be pushed out of the picture Ignored and forgotten. William Miller wrote back in the 1800s, Although I have been twice disappointed, I am not yet cast down discouraged. My hope in the coming of Christ is as strong as ever. I have done only what, after years of solemn consideration, I felt it my solemn duty to do. One thing I do know, Miller said, I have preached nothing but what I believed. And God has been with me. His power has been manifested in the work. And much good has been affected. Let's go to Hebrews 10, 35 to 37. It states there, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and he will not tarry. 
In America for right now, the pandemic is slowly dissipating, we hope, being placed on the back burner. Hopefully freedom and comfort could once again be enjoyed by all classes of society. But you know what? I can't afford to go anywhere. I can't even afford to go to the grocery store and get groceries. Gas prices are too high, aren't they? I was filling up my diesel truck, and I'm looking at those numbers. Man, are they moving? Look at this. Can't afford to to drive the diesel. Anyway, look what's happening in Ukraine, huh? Look what's happening over there. Those poor people's lives have changed like that. Nothing is forever or certain, my friends. People have centered their lives on the realization of personal hopes and dreams of present time. This belief and mental exercise places far into the future the arrival of Jesus. And that solemn day when the present order of things will pass away. Our next breath is not guaranteed. Unfortunately, death stalks us. Could that be the second coming of Jesus Christ for you? Don't have to wait. You could walk across the parking lot and get hit by a train. Well, maybe not a train. You could have a heart attack. What are we looking forward to? I know that statement is grim, but it does place a need for us to keep things in order for our own salvation. What do we truly profess in our hearts? Our condition could be this at this time. What is pointed out in the Savior's words in Revelation 3, 1 and 3? Thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. And so to those who refuse to arouse from their careless security, the solemn warning is addressed. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief. And thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. You know, either Christ lived or he didn't. Christ is in our life or he's not. Do you think that Jesus was just a mythical character wrapped up within a book of mythical stories? Or is he for a fact, the Son of God, came to earth, made flesh, who lived among us, died, and was resurrected? Is that who he is in your life? Was he the Son of Man who died in our place for our sins so that we may have everlasting life? Is that the person we are talking about. Amen. Let's look, but where should we go to find out? It is suggested that there are more than 300 Old Testament prophetic scriptures completed by and through the life of Jesus Christ. That's a whole lot of prophecy, isn't it? His birthplace, his lineage, the methodology up to the and including his execution. All this, you have to realize, was beyond Christ's control and could not have been accidentally or deliberately 
fulfilled. And you might say, hmm, beyond Christ's control? He was God on earth. So why? Why did he allow all those things to happen to him? Jesus was constrained by his love for the Father, and the Father's love for him and duty to the complete to complete the mission he was on. Let's take, for instance, Gethsemane and Peter's offense. What happened at Gethsemane? What did Peter do? Pulled out his sword, lopped off a man's ear. And what did Christ tell Peter? Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels. But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled? That thus it must be. Prophecy fulfillment. Let us first look at the lineage recorded in Matthew. If we go to Matthew chapter 1, and this is very important, as we investigate Jesus' human ancestry, if you go all the way from 1 to 17 in Matthew, 1 to 17, that's 42 generations, born of the line being the son of David, being the son of Abraham. And if we look At verses 1 and 2, the book of the generations of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham, this is where it starts. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas, his brethren. And it goes on and on and on down through the lineage until we get to number 17. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. That's 42 generations. You know what? It's biblical, but it's also also historical. Matthew starts us out. Matthew 1.18, and we reference Luke 1.27 and Luke 1.35. 27 states, To the virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Matthew 1.19 Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. Privately. What am I getting at? What was the law? Deuteronomy 24 1. When a man hath taken a wife and married her, and it come to pass that she shall find that she shall find no favor in his eyes, because he has found some uncleanliness in her, then let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it to her hand, and send her out of the house. And that is the law. 
But that didn't happen. Matthew 1.20 states, But while he thought on these things, Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. When 21, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now we go to Acts 4.12 and Acts 5.31. Speaking of Jesus, Luke testifying here in Acts 4.12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And 5.31. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. 32, and we are his, what? Yes, witnesses. That also means disciples. And what does it mean to be a disciple? Of these things, and so is the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. Matthew 1, 22 and 23 Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is what? God with us. God with us. Amen. Amen for that. And what does it Parallel, Isaiah 7.14. Isaiah 7.14. That is what uh, Isaiah was prophesying in that time. And let's look at Isaiah 9.6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Another prophecy. Was it fulfilled? Absolutely. To all of this in Isaiah 9-7, it tells there is no end to the increase of his government, and with it is peace brought about from the throne of David, and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Matthew one twenty four and 25 parallels Luke 2.7. We're going to look at 24 and 25. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took him his wife and knew her not until she brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name, what? Jesus. Jesus. Good news. Good news. Luke 2.21 And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named. 
of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Prophecy, prophecy. Isaiah 53, 1 to 11. Isaiah 53, 1 to 11. This is where, and I love Isaiah 53. Can anybody tell me what it says there? Just paraphrase it. Can anybody tell me what it says? I know you know. Come on, speak up. Prophecy. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the Son, or the, who is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Who are we talking about? Surely he hath borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is done, and he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge, shall my righteous righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Wow. Isaiah. That was a few years before Christ was born, wasn't it? Just a few. Just a few. Genesis three fourteen and 15. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust thou shalt eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between the seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, 
and thou shalt bruise his heel. Is that prophecy? Just can't get away from it, can you? And here is what we need to do. Let's go to Habakkuk 2, 1 to 4. This is what we need to be doing. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say to me. Are we listening? And what I shall answer when I am reproved. Simply we must live by faith. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision. Make it plain upon tables, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it. For it shall surely come. It will not tarry. Behold his soul that is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. The faith that strengthened Habakkuk and the people who endured the trials of that day still exists today. In the dark hours and under circumstances most forbidding, we as believers must keep our souls stayed upon the source of all light and power, which is what? Jesus Christ. For the just shall live by faith. Do not tarry because there is work to be done. There is abundant provision made for all true believers as we move forward to work. Our souls are tempted, but Paul states, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in what? Weakness. Weakness. Humbly, God's servant replied, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmity, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, in them I am strong. Amen. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and 10. I must say that after Christmas, after New Year's, on January 2nd, something happened to me, which took me on a journey. It was COVID. What happened was I first started out with intense headaches, fever for about five, six days. Granted, I was praying at the time. And then it just, poof, all that was gone. I thought, whew, I made it through. Made it through the gauntlet. Two days later, boom, hit my lungs. I was in disparity for well over a month. I had pneumonia. It was intense. It was intense. It not only affected me physically, but it affected me mentally, 
emotionally. Claudia, my wife, said, I just, it's incredible to see you like this. Man, we all feel that we have, that we can just go on forever. Well, I spent nine hours here at Titus one day because they wanted to make sure that I didn't have pulmonary embolisms, clots in the lungs, which, thank God, I did not. So anyway, after pretty much, I mean, they gave me oxygen that I took home with me, but I, I didn't use it. A lot of prayers, a lot of prayers. Finally, it seemed to dissipate, seemed to let go. I remember my father going through some tough times, and they and the the old people called it the grip. Well, it had me in a grip. There's no question about it. But after it seemed to dissipate, it took me two weeks to be able to walk up our eighth-mile lane to the mailbox and back. I'd make it up to the mailbox, and I'd turn around, and I'd think, man, I don't know if I can make it back. But I pushed on. I kept building up and building up and building up. Well, here I stand. But I'll tell you, it's only because of the Lord, Lord's blessing that I'm standing here today. I'm here to testify. Anybody who tells you, COVID, it don't exist. That virus doesn't exist. I won't even get into it. It's here, and it's here to stay. Habakkuk 2.20. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. These are my thoughts. We must listen to hear his word, and we need to bear witness. Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. God is defending his city and his people. They were to stop striving, to let go and surrender. The message is God is our refuge. Come out from among them and be ye separate. Today, just as in his day, we are in the days of unbridled apostasy. So now let us declare what Habakkuk was telling his people. We are the watchmen, friends. We are the watchmen. God was speaking not only to Habakkuk in Habakkuk 2.1, God is speaking to us now through the prophets. And it is time also for us out of duty to send out the message. The dire warning of the first angel's message delivered to John on the Isle of Patmos. We are the angels. We are the angels of the three angels' message. And it is up to us to pay forward what Jesus has done for us. The sacrificial service of old that had appointed, that pointed to Christ, passed away at the cross. 
And the eyes of men were turned to the true sacrifice. It is a new covenant made to wash away the sins of the world by the blood of Jesus. The earthly priesthood ceased to be, and now we must focus on Jesus, the minister of the new covenant. And we look at Hebrews 9, 8 to 12, and we studied this for the past few months. To the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than Abel's sacrifice. The way into the holiest of all was not yet made at that time. While as the first tabernacle, the old covenant was yet standing. But Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, the new covenant, not made with human hands. By his blood, he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. That's Hebrews 12, 24. While Jesus ministers in the sanctuary above, he is still by his spirit, the minister of the church on earth. He is withdrawn from the eye of sense, but his parting promise is fulfilled. John sixteen seven. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away, for I go not away. If I don't go away, the comforter will not come. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Believe in the Holy Spirit. He is here with us today. John fourteen twenty six. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever all that I have said to you. Matthew twenty eight twenty. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Hang in there, guys. I got two more pages. I can't stop now. Paul, writing in Hebrews, desired those to whom he was writing to remember that they must reveal in their lives the glorious change given to them by Christ's transforming grace. We are to be the lights of the world, friends by and through our sanctified characters, exerting an influence over the worldly satanic culture. That's a tough assignment. That's a tough assignment. He doesn't want us to succeed. The great change that is seen in the life of a sinner after conversion is not brought about by any human goodness. He who is rich in mercy is the one who gave us his grace. Let's praise and give thanks. Amen. Amen. For Christ said, I have kept my father's commandments. And so should we. I wish that we might all believe fervently in the promises of God. We are to take God's promises and say what? They are mine. We must grasp hold of his promises. They're right here. How many promises do you think are in this book? Hmm? 
It's mind-boggling. Well, guess what, friends? If you just read it and you don't capture it, if you don't grab hold of those promises, what good is it going to do to you? Nothing. Nothing will come about. You have to believe. They're yours. The Lord is letting his Holy Spirit rest upon us. We are receiving the light. For the promise is, believe that ye receive the things ye ask for and shall have them by faith. Reach within the veil. Lay hold of Christ and don't let go. Take his strength. I thank God that I have a Savior. Amen. For I am nothing. I am absolutely nothing. In each and every promise in God's word, he is speaking to each and every one of us individually. He's speaking directly to you. He's speaking directly to me. It is in these promises that Christ communicates to us his grace and power. This is for the healing of everybody, the healing of all nations. The words are to be taken in. They are to be assimilated. They are to strengthen our character by and through its inspiration to sustain our lives. The earnest prayer by David in Psalm 5, 51, 10. It states, create in me a new heart, O God. God's response to such a prayer is, a new heart I will give you. This is a work that no finite man can accomplish, especially on his own. That's why we need to grasp hold of the promises. We need to grasp hold of Jesus and say, bless me, Lord. Don't be afraid. He can't give you something that you don't ask for. You've got to commit to it. Jesus arrived to give men new hearts. He said, a new heart will I give you. However, the self-righteous of that day and today as well feel no need. Hmm. So we pass by those people, for they have no need of a Savior, apparently. And as they are too involved within their own pomp and circumstances. The more worldly churches reaching far into apostasy, parting ways from the requirements and commandments of God, will find less and less of the manifested love and spirit of God. They just read over it. They read over the truth. They read past by the promises. They don't study the scriptures to claim the prophecies. They don't look. So if they don't look, how are they going to be able to see? How then are we to be saved? Just as Moses in the wilderness lifted up the serpent, so too the Son of Man has to be lifted up. And everyone who has been deceived and bitten by that old serpent, Satan, may look to the cross of Jesus and live. John one twenty nine. he states, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. The light shining from the cross reveals the love of God. His love is drawing us near to himself if we do not resist. We shall be led to the foot of the cross in repentance for our sins. Amen. We must kneel before the cross. 
we must die daily. And then a miracle occurs if we grab hold of it. The Spirit of God through faith produces a new life in the soul. And that be, friends, your souls, my soul. The thoughts and desires are brought into obedience to the will of Christ. Not our will shall lead us, but we now give it over to Jesus. Amen. Amen. The heart, the mind are created anew in the image of him who works in us to bring us unto himself. Then the law of God is written in the mind, in the heart, and we can say with Christ, as stated in Psalm 48, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Can you say that, friends? I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Amen. I hope that today's study has blessed your Sabbath. Amen. Let's pause for a moment of prayer. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, as the song states, let us be very sure, let us be so sure that our anchor is on the rock of Jesus. Heavenly Father, for these are perilous times, Heavenly Father. Thank you for bringing us thus far. Lord, be with us as we proceed into the next week, Heavenly Father. Be with us, Heavenly Father. We just want to hold on to you. In your son's holy name, amen.